0: Today is August tenth, two thousand seventeen, and welcome to episode two of our two thousand and seventeen summer series of adventures in finance. And to my right is trusty advisor.
1: Trusty advisor. I am
0: Not a trusty advisor. Advisor. You're the producer. I advise you on all things non finance related. And then I do the opposite.
1: Listen, I can't. I can't believe you called him trusty and advisor. <laughs> and advisor was the word we queried. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's the trusty thing. Surely I'm we need to. I'm feeling really about. good about life right now. <laughs> Grant, you know what? I,
0: it may just be that we 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 missed. Like the tail of a hurricane, and it just passed by. So maybe I'm just a little bit like shell shocked. I don't know what it is. It's but.
1: possible. It's possible. But look, you know, it's summer. We're here in episode two of our summer series. It's it's that we've got that summer feeling. What? So it's perfect. And and what better what better guest to kick off uh, the guest portions of these of this series?
0: Yes, absolutely right. And this week we are excited to have our first contributor back on to discuss some of the things that help them, you know, stay balanced, stay productive, stay creative. Because you know, so many of our contributors they they wear so many hats and they're traveling around the world. And this week we are really excited to have Pippa Malgram on the program.
1: Yeah, we we could not have picked we we could not have picked anybody who wears more hats than you, Pip. How are you? Great to hear from you.
2: <laughs> I do have a big hat collection, actually.
1: Well, I, you know, I you and I bump into each other in random <laughs> places around the world at the, at, the, at the strangest times, and I'm always just baffled by how you keep doing what you do uh, so brilliantly, um, constantly. I mean, you, you are. On and off planes more than me, which takes some doing. Uh, and whenever you get places, you light the room up. And, and I just, I, I'd love to know how you do it.
2: Oh, you're so good. Um, well, I don't know if I'm lighting any rooms up, but I, I think the first thing is if you really love what you do, then all of this becomes relatively effortless. Um, but personally, I also. I kind of. My daughter says to me, "Mom, how can you be like this famous economist, and at the same time, you're quite woo-woo?" And what she means by that is, I'm into you know things that aren't necessarily logical. Like I will love having a conversation about what's going on with chakras and things like that. And it's not because I'm I'm have an alternative lifestyle. It's just I'm very interested in how the human brain processes information, especially the stuff that isn't numerical, it isn't logical. And so one of the times of day that I love most is um, strangely in the morning. I'm not a morning person at all. I'm a super night owl. But when I wake up in the morning, that halfway place where you're not awake, but you're not asleep, that's where your subconscious can basically have a conversation with you. And I find my creative work and my ideas all happen at that time. But if somebody was filming me, like Real Vision came in and said, we're going to film you in your day, Beva. <laughs> it'd be like, oh, my God, she's not doing anything. And it, but the thing is, I am. i I'm, I'm, I'm got all the creative juices going. You know, the neural network is firing. But, but I'm in a quiet space. Uh, and I think people need to make time for that. Uh, and they don't. They think being busy is the answer. And I'm very busy, but I make a lot of space for those quiet moments where I'm really electrified.
1: But I mean, how do you, I'm fascinated how you do that because uh, you know amongst the three of us, James knows a lot about that place between sleep and being awake because he spends his I'm life right there. Now. But but, but <laughs> how do you how do you because you know, I've seen your schedule and, and I've you know I've sat and chatted to you between you know giving a speech and 20 minutes later you're on a plane to Beijing and how do you make that space because I've tried and failed miserably. How do you do it?
2: You don't fail, my darling. Um, I think here's the thing. Uh, it's all about, I know this is going to sound like a California guru podcast rather than a Real Vision podcast, but it is literally about being in that moment and in the space in that moment. When I'm sitting and I'm talking to some you know, finance minister or foreign minister, I am absolutely 100% focused because it's a listening exercise mainly. And I need to hear the intonation, the rhythm. I can't tell if they really believe what they're saying or they don't unless I'm giving them 100% of my focus. And then it's the same thing when I come home and I'm hanging with my 13-year-old. She needs not just mom around. She needs 100% of my focus when I am there. So um, my ex-husband used to get insane because he'd say, what time is your flight on Thursday? And I'd be like, I have no idea. I know roughly if it's in the morning or the <laughs> afternoon. but And he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I'll look at the ticket on the way and then I'll know. Because it, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> I know I'm going somewhere on the other side of the planet and I'm going to need, you know, the things that I usually need. But but it doesn't really, my my day, whether I'm in the kitchen making lunch with my kid or I'm on my way to Beijing, as I am tomorrow, in fact, um, it's it's all kind of the same thing. They're, they're just all 100% meeting of your attention in that moment. And that keeps me from freaking out about what my schedule really looks like. And if you looked at it, you'd freak out, too. You'd be like, what? Nobody <laughs> can do that. Uh, and it's the same speaking to audiences. You know, I do a lot of public speaking and... I just find in that moment, you yeah, know, it's like doing a sport. It's the only thing that your mind can focus on in that moment. Um, and then the other thing is, I know you guys are about to burst out laughing when I say this, but I am actually quite introverted. And um, so I, I don't do big rooms and big parties very well. I do books. And so I spend a lot of time with my nose in a book and I read like crazy
0: you no, know, Pippa, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because you touch on so many topics that I want to bring it back a second to that morning, what I call the morning moment. Um, cause mm-hmm. I do have a background in sports and, and one of the things I used to do in the mornings when I'd wake up is to actually try and do some visualizations. Uh you, know, uh, you know, whether I'm on, on a tennis court, you know, playing my, putting myself in specific situations in a match. And I, I want to ask, you know, how do you, because that elusive sweet spot between, uh, being in deep sleep and then transitioning to being fully awake I mean that is where your subconscious is you know you can listen to yourself and you can also sort of shape your subconscious a little bit so my question is how do you stay in that sweet spot and then you know because you are you're extremely prolific on on social media as well you're a huge following how do you resist or you know how do you control the, the urge to connect to the matrix the moment you wake up so I know that's kind of a convoluted two-part question but yeah uh, how do you stay in that sweet spot and then how do you resist the urge to want to connect to the matrix in the morning
2: you know, I don't know, because I, I don't find it a push and pull issue. I can, I, I can be lying in my bed, totally chilled out, and the, I don't feel any pressure whatsoever to join the human race. I'm just hanging in my own space. Um, it's kind of a nagging, oh, God, I should meet that deadline, I suppose, that gets me then to convert into reality. So, I, I don't feel disconnected. I feel kind of connected to the universe in when I'm in my own space. Um, so, but deadlines usually are the thing that just reminds me that I need to engage. And the other thing is when I do engage with the real world, I, am not only, I guess I must look like I'm on transmit quite a lot of the time cause I pump out a lot of content, but it's just, I find these things are so fascinating. And so I throw them out, but I'm also spending a lot of time receiving, And reaching out to people who I have never met, they've never met me, I'm sure they must be like, who is this woman? I had an amazing conversation the other day with some guy who is just one of the world's leading experts on blockchain, for example, uh, because I want to learn about that subject. So when I'm in my learning mode, uh, I I don't feel like I'm connecting with the matrix in in the sense that you mean. I just feel like, wow, this is free university. This is... This is getting to listen to one of the world's coolest people on the subject they're passionate about. I mean, what can beat that?:
0: no, nothing really. Well, <laughs> maybe real vision comes close second when we get to you know, interview <laughs> and, and record all these conversations. But I, you know one question that I've gotten a lot from listeners uh, and you know just myself as a real vision fan and getting to watch all these really smart people across different domain um, domains. I'm really curious about how they assimilate and how they collect knowledge, Um, because you know, part of you, you as as we talked about, you wear so many hats as as an author, as an economist, uh, advisor to to past presidents. So how how do you? gather and assimilate information because, you know, some people read news, others will read Twitter, but what is your method for, for collecting information and receiving information?
2: well, I guess the first thing is you got to remember. So my dad was the advisor to presidents Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, and Ford. And so I grew up in a house with a guy who had a sort of satellite view of the universe, And that informs the way I see the world. So for me, everything is relevant. Like, everything is connected. There is no where is the beginning end of your subject. And that makes it much easier because you start following the trail of an idea and it takes you into all different areas. And when I was young, I remember I had an ambassador who said to me, so you want to do geopolitics and financial markets, you know, you have to choose. And once you choose, you're going to have to pick a geography because you can't do both Asia and Africa And I remember thinking, why not? Why do I have to choose? The President of the United States doesn't get to choose. They have to be au fait with the whole world. The guy running the portfolio for a massive pension fund, he doesn't get to choose. He has to make decisions about the whole darn planet. So from the beginning, I always knew I wanted to have a truly global view, and that kind of sets the stage for that. So Nothing is really irrelevant. And again, when you start to be free with your ideas, the dots start to connect themselves a little bit. You don't have to push it together. I'll give you a little example. I know we're short on time. We a podcast to be short. But, you know, we're in this amazing moment where the two nuclear superpowers of Asia, India and China, are on the brink of military confrontation, right? I mean, China's like, you don't move. We will begin fighting. And they've already fired off live ammunition up there in the Himalayas. And this is exactly what happened in 1962. And so about two months ago, I hear the noise level on this India-China stuff getting worse. So I ordered a book that's like from 1980. You know, I keep the out-of-print booksellers in business. Love and And uh, and I'm reading this book, and I'm like, oh my God, it's exactly parallel to what we have now. The Chinese opened up two fronts, Korea and the Himalayas, because they know, you know, the Americans, we can't really do two fronts. We do one item at a time. And at that time, in 62, my dad was the uh, advisor to Kennedy on the Cuban Missile Crisis. Everybody forgets that we had the Sino-Indian War in exactly the same two-week period. And that, North and South Korea were in play exactly as they are today so that's the kind of thing I sort of think about what do I see happening in the world and what are the parallels in history and that helps me propel the idea into now but Pip
1: do you do you, do you struggle because when you talk to me about this stuff I'm so glad you brought this China new thing up because you and a handful of other people are the only ones talking about this. It's all about North Korea. It's all about the standoff between Washington and Pyongyang. Um, and so, you know, how do you how do you get these messages through to people to try and to to, to prime a widen the broader consciousness and, and help people understand that you know it's not just about Kim Jong Un. There is other stuff going on that's equally as important, and perhaps even you know there are even bigger hair triggers involved.
2: Yeah, well, it's amazing. I um, was recently hanging out with the foreign minister of a major European country, and he was completely unaware that this thing was happening. Right. And I'm like, how is this possible? I mean, you have foreign office staff. Why are they not briefing you? And the answer is because there are too many other things going on. But I find part of my job in this life is to put things on people's horizon. Then once they're aware, then suddenly a lot of stuff pops up that you just didn't see before. It was there before, but you didn't connect the dots. And and then, you know, everybody goes, when the event occurs, how did you know you were a visionary? And I'm like, I'm not a visionary. I'm just paying attention. Uh, I'm, I'm closely interested in anything that that sounds like it might result in something that will move the markets. And I guess I don't know. That's sort of what I do. People ask me, what do I read? And the honest answer is I try to produce the content for other people. Uh, But, you know, I look at the Drudge Report. I look at not because of its conservative leaning, um, but just because it's a great aggregator of all kinds of crazy things. Um, I'm, I love Flipboard, uh, but it all depends what you program it to show you. One of the b- biggest problems today is that everybody has set up their news feeds to show them only what they want to see. So I put a lot of stuff in that's, uh, that I'm clueless about. Like, I don't know anything about physics, but I'm fascinated. And so I have loads of stuff that come in on physics. Um, I didn't understand blockchain when it first started. So I started Google searches on blockchain, once I realized that the only time that uh, China has basically done a proper incursion into another country was the 62 Sino-Indian War, then I put that into my Google feed. And sure enough, about six, well, six, eight months ago, you start seeing these little stories about, you know, the Indians accused the Chinese of stealing the goats from, you know, hopping across the border and taking the goats. And you're like, why are they in Chinese hopping across the border? And, and it all starts to fit. I don't know. It's a quirky thing. That's a quirky you,
1: thing. You, you know, you said something in there that that I'm I'm dying to jump in and ask you about, um, but I think <laughs> let's save that for the next interview. Because you know, when you say um, you 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 focus on things that you think are going to move markets, and the, and you've never seen so much stuff going on. That the irony that the markets are moving less than they ever have done yes, it, is totally. not is not lost at this time. But but I think that's a conversation you and I need to have at, at much greater length. But what what I really would love to move on to if I can is to talk about your drone business because, um, mm. uh, you know, this is, this is something that, I, you know, I've watched you build, again, scratching my head in wonderment at how you've managed to do it. Um, uh, but, you know, for those for those people out there that haven't heard of it, perhaps you could give us the, 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 the sort of 30,000-foot view of the business and then we can talk about how you got into it because it's fascinating.
2: Totally. So I decided I was tired of being an economist who just talked about the economy and I wanted to be one of those people who helped build it. And I saw an opportunity in this brand new technology. Uh, And so, bottom line, uh, my business partner and I have designed and built a drone system. Uh, And in short, 95% of the drones you know about are either toys or they are predators that go kill people on behalf of the military. There's very little in the commercial space that's actually designed for big industrial companies. So we built something that would be almost like a Swiss army knife in the sky, a workflow tool that would fit into a corporate structure and empower the staff to solve problems in an ongoing way and massive deep data management. So we did it. Everybody was like, but nobody else does it that way. And I'm like, excellent. That's good. We want to make it in a way that nobody else is doing it because if it works the way somebody else is doing it, then it wouldn't really be very interesting. So that's that was the idea.
1: So, so to, to talk a little bit of, about the technology because, you know, as you and I have spoken over the last couple of years as this thing's built, I mean, I'm – I'm astounded by the things that your drones can do that other <laughs> drones don't seem to be able to.
2: Okay, well, let me back up and connect the connect the two stories. So I, here I am, economist. I've been the president's advisor in the White House. I've run strategy on trading floors for big financial institutions. And one of the views I had five years ago was financial services as a proportion of GDP is going to shrink. The regulators are going to make it shrink. The society is going to demand that it shrink. So a lot of super talented people from the banking and, and hedge fund world are going to find them squeezed out, just like a cull. And they're going to take all that talent into the real economy because there's no place for else for them to go. And my bet is they'll make more money in the real economy than they ever made in the markets. Now, people are like, are you completely do lally Really? And I thought, yeah. I re- if you ask me, uh, uh, where am I going to put my own money? <clears throat> am I going to bet it on the financial markets or am I going to go build a business that has the capacity to generate cash flow and income on a scale that no investment portfolio can get anywhere near. And so that was my thinking. The other thing was I noticed that the Chinese released onto the markets autopilot technology. Now, normally I'm not a techie, so I wouldn't have really noticed that except it dropped the price of autopilots in the entire world economy by 40 fold in one year. And I remember chatting with my now business partner about this and we were like oh my god that means every drone business is completely mispriced and can never recover And so I said, my gosh, why would you want to do that? And the answer was the Chinese want to put a drone into every child's hand partly because it'll generate a ton of revenue and and partly my gosh, what an amazing way to get your hands on data to see what the world is seeing. And so once I understood that, put those two things together, I was like, okay, here's the deal then. That means you can build a drone or you will be able to, in short order, very inexpensively, that'll have amazing capability. And that's when we started chatting about this idea. Cause My business partner, Wayne Harbour, said, you know, I may be one of those guys. Uh, and he grew up building because his grandparents ran a construction firm. And I suddenly realized this was a guy who would run oil trading businesses for Many years, the head of trading for AIG, ABN, uh, AMRO, BNP Paribas, he'd become independently wealthy, and but he'd done this like, German-style construction apprenticeship as a child, and his dad didn't know how to use, they bought the first Apple Mac II in Australia ever, and nobody knew how to turn it on, so they said to the 10-year-old, hey, kid, could you know what this is? You know, Can you do it? The same we would today with technology, hand it to the 14-year-old in the house And sure enough, he figured it out. So I realized, oh, my God, I'm dealing with the person who has the capacity to build this stuff. And so that was how it began. It literally came from my background in markets, my desire to make some serious money and the realization that, you know what, I could probably get there faster if I build a company myself than if I try to be as clever as all these real vision guys who are way better at picking stocks and picking sectors and i mean you got grant williams on your team what am i going to do i can't compete with that
0: <laughs> Yeah, I, I can attest to that pippa but you know but, but actually i, <laughs> yeah, I want to pippa, you might just
1: say that again we couldn't quite hear you because of that tongue which <laughs> in your cheek <laughs>
0: <laughs> no 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 i i say that uh 100 uh you know with with uh you know tr- truthfully because it's it's been a great experience working grant um but pip i want to ask you because the the angle of actually not just talking about the economy, but actually building, being a part of building that economy, I think is really powerful. Cool. And I want to understand a little bit more how maybe you know, how is that like kind of shift or or you know having both feet in, in, in uh, having having feet in different worlds. How has that influenced your thinking as an economist in terms of really being in the private sector, working on something, building something? How has that, you know, has there been an interplay between those two different worlds for you? Oh,
2: completely. And I'm so much more confident now about my views about the world economy than ever, ever before. I get, I'm up on stage with the chief economist of this bank and that bank, and they'll tell me there's no inflation because technology is driving down the price of everything. And I'm like, guys… I am ordering component parts from China. And I'm telling you that that has finished. It's over. It's now cheaper to manufacture complex industrial items in the U.S. and in Britain than it is in China, which, by the way, is why Foxconn, which, you know, employs 1.2 million people, it's the second largest employer in China, just announced that they're building production facilities to make our iPhones in Wisconsin, which I wrote about in my book. And I guess to your question— this really all happened um, when I also started to write the book uh, Signals, how everyday Signs can help us navigate the world's turbulent economy. And I, it's a long story what I did with that book. I crowdfunded it and then finally got a publisher. But, but I was explaining how did I see the financial crisis coming? How did I see Brexit coming? How did I see Trump being elected? And I thought, it's not that I'm such a wizard or anything. I just see stuff that other people seem to miss. So I wanted to explain what I saw and how I saw it. And in the course of doing that, I realized what I'm really saying to my reader is when you ask me what's gonna happen to the world economy, because everybody asks, the president asked me, my cousin asked me, you know, what's gonna happen to the economy? And the honest answer is you tell me, because if you're gonna hunker down into fear and put your money in your pocket, then we're gonna get one outcome. And if you're gonna go forth with this great idea that you have that everybody else says is crazy, we're gonna get a different outcome. And so, if you take calculated risk, that's what propels the economy forward. And I thought, well, I can't tell everybody to do it and then not do it myself. So I feel even more confident now that that I've really done it. My next book is going to be all about how to take a calculated risk.
0: Fascinating, yeah, Pippa. I think you know something like that. I, I would even call a uh, a secret weapon that you have, uh, and 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 a, and a window and a view. And you know, oh, really, because you know we understand and. That things happen on the ground, right? An economy is not just monolithic. It's not averages. I mean, it's real people on the ground doing things, like building things, like like what you're doing with with the drone company, and you know, working at bakeries. It's it's all it's all those sort of micro uh, actions and units that operate together to create this sort of emergent phenomenon in the macro economy. Um, so I, I, I don't know. It's just really really interesting to see how you, as an economist, also have that foot in the real economy in the private sector, and how that informs it. So I think it was cool to it's cool to get out. Um, Pippa, we're sort of coming to the end of our our time here, but I want to ask you one thing that we're going to ask every contributor this summer um, or during the summer series is, you know, can you name a couple of books that you've been reading or are reading right now uh, that, you know, it can be about anything, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be about, you know, finance, economics, it can be about anything, but just curious about what you have on your nightstand or what you're taking with you to the beach. Yeah,
1: just just the three or four that you're halfway through reading
2: (laughs) right now. I know. I know know how you work. I know, see, this is the thing. People are like, oh, my God, you travel with so much luggage. You're like Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm like, it's books. It's literally hundreds of books. I'll tell you what, I'm just opening up my suitcase. Here's the first thing I have in front of me. The Phantom Atlas, the greatest myths, lies, and blunders on the map. And in the book, it's just one location after another that cartographers put on a map that turned out to be not accurate. Um, But, you know, fascinating. Uh, and right oh, now, oh, sounds
0: like an amazing book. This
2: is an amazing book. And right now, what do we have? We have India and China arguing about where is the border between the two countries, and the U.S. and China arguing about where the seven dash line in the South China Sea. Once you start reading about maps and the making of maps, so the subject of cartography, you're like, I get why there's a problem and nobody agrees. Um, and I like novels. I think novels, literature takes you, it rests your mind. Uh, instead of calculating, you start to imagine. And imagination is so critical to success in our business. Um, Mark Twain has this wonderful line. He says, uh, the eyes can't see if the imagination is out of focus. And I totally agree with that. So, like I'm reading, there's a wonderful author called Philip Lorraine, who nobody remembers. Uh, and he was writing in the early 80s, late 70s, beautiful language. So I'll often read a novel. Um, And then I read a lot of history. Like I said, I was reading this book about uh, the CIA's forgotten war in Tibet. Uh, You know, it's really obscure, random stuff. But the other thing is, I've now kind of made a rule with myself, I'll read a certain amount, but I spend a fair amount of my time trying to write as well. And I think everybody out there should really think about Writing something about the one subject that they're really passionate about because there are so many platforms now to get your ideas out to the public. I mentioned this blockchain conversation I had the other day. Um, I'll send you the the link for it. Um, The guy, what's his name? Uh, I'll have to think of his name. But anyway, I'll forward it to you. He, he'd written this little article. It was so insightful. It was so clear. But this is not a guy who's an academic or has publishers. And, and I learned a huge amount, reached out, had a conversation. So I would say to everybody listening, there is something that you know a ton about. You should write. It's part of that whole experience for someone else to read instead of just reading other people's books. Everybody has a book in them somewhere.
1: Yeah, they they do say that, and uh, you know, you you've proven it. You've you've written one. You've got a couple more <laughs> to write, I suspect. And, and I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind just making one of those mine and saving me the trouble because I I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have the time to do it. And, I, and I, as, as as we began this interview talking about the demands on your time, um, I guess the good thing about flying so much is that you do get time to read books when you when you're up there and, and the phone can't ring. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but still, it's it's that discipline, Pepper. You know, it's it's having the discipline. To say, you know, I'm going to read these books and, and not get distracted by, you know, TV and Twitter and all the, the easy things. Because you're reading, um, f- for a lot of people, is a hard thing to do. It, it requires discipline. It's not something you do for entertainment. You do it for knowledge. And a lot of the time, if you're not thirsty for that knowledge, it's it's kind of, you kind of think, oh, you know, I need to finish that book. And it really shouldn't be that way.
2: I don't know. It's a it's a delight. It's a joy to um, go into somebody else's world and be on the receiving end of it instead of always on the giving. I'm imagining most of the listeners here are very successful people. They are performing in one way or another at very high levels. And uh, sometimes a, a world class performer needs to also let somebody else be the performer for a little bit. Rest. Pull your thoughts together, let someone else entertain you, whether it's in a film or it's a book or watching another performer on stage. uh, It's part of the art of life. It's part of balance.
0: Well, Pippa, there is no doubt that you are a world-class podcast guest. And, uh, you know, it's such a pleasure uh, to have had some time to speak with you. I mean, you you kind of opened up Pandora's box at the end of talking about writing. And, and, I mean, there are tons of questions I'd love to ask you. But I'm already kind of getting that look from our producer. Um, i giving you any look. <laughs> yeah, you're giving me that look. <laughs> oh, man. We a...
2: shall have to do this again, gentlemen.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, and I know Grant uh, has, you know, probably going to speak with you for Real Vision TV uh, at some point in the future. But uh, thank you so, so much again for your time today, Pippa. And, you know, it, it was really enjoyable to talk about things outside of finance, outside of economics, and just to kind of get into your mind a little bit, how you, how you approach, you know, the creative process, you know, how you stay productive and all those things. And, and thank you for those books, uh, book uh, suggestions, um, something outside of the box that people can maybe uh, take to the beach with
1: them this summer.
2: Totally. Love to talk to you guys. Thank you.
1: Pippa, thank you. Thank you for, for bringing us into your world and bringing the, the listeners into it because it's, uh, it's a fascinating place to spend time. Thank you. Well, I've I got to say, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate that I get to spend a lot of time talking to Pippa. We, we, our paths cross, as I said, in all kinds of weird and wonderful places. And, and every time we do, you know, the conversation we just got a snippet of, uh, I defy anyone to not sit down with Pippa and talk for hours and hours and hours and, hours and, and refuse to let her go because she's just such engaging company. So I'm, I'm just thrilled we could, uh, we could steal <laughs> 20 minutes of her time. Yeah,
0: engaging is definitely the word and also extremely worldly, you know, um... Part of what we're doing with this series is to try and speak with our contributors, our past guests, about things that they're interested in that are outside of finance, outside of economics. And I mean, I feel like on that subject alone, I mean, well, actually, no, on those, you know, on that set of topics, I mean, Pippa could have gone on for for much, much longer. We could have asked her a lot of a lot of other questions. And she's just she's a really interesting, well-rounded person. And uh, yeah, Grant, I'm pretty uh, pretty jealous that you're going to get to spend a little bit more time with her.
1: Yes, indeed. I mean, Pipa P- throws herself wholeheartedly into everything she reads and researches, and you know, give her half an hour, and she'll know more about it than uh, than most people. It's uh, it's it's quite a skill, I have to say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, is there anything? I mean, Grant, I don't know. I have some of my own reflections from that from that interview we just did, that conversation we just had. No, do it, but do it. no, no. I, um, is there anything that kind of stuck out to you, like something that you didn't know before? I mean, you you have spoken and worked with Pippa a lot in the past, so uh, maybe some of that was not you know, nothing new to you. But was there anything that kind of struck you or stuck out? to You um,
1: You know, the, the thing that I, I, I'm always astounded by when I when I look at Pippa's schedule, and it does. I mean, I, I, I joked about it, but it gives me a headache thinking about it. My schedule is bad enough, but. You know, she combines all this stuff with being a mum, which is which is remarkable to me. And uh, you know, she spends she spends a lot of time with Penny, and she's she's running around the world, and she juggles these things just effortlessly. And and I'm I'm just astounded by how she does it because you know, I look at my schedule and and I'm I'm running to keep up the whole time.
0: Yeah, but guys, there are a lot of things, a lot of books that were mentioned in this episode. But don't worry, we're gonna post it all on Twitter. We're going to include the books, links to those books uh, and links to any accounts that Pippa mentioned in terms of, you know, uh, who who did she mention? Uh, Daniel, Daniel Jeffries. Yes, she mentioned Daniel Jeffries. And that, you know, this is the guy who wrote the article on blockchain that she found incredibly illuminating and insightful. So we're going to include that on Twitter so you don't miss it. Well, Grant, that brings us to the end of another episode in our summer series. Next week, we'll be back with another interesting interview that kind of follows the same line of what we did here. We're trying to take a step away from the economics and the finance and to explore some of the things that help keep our contributors and our guests balanced and focused.
1: Yeah, these these summer series, I mean, they're so much fun. Um, they're, they're too short for me though. You know, I could <laughs> I want to get into these conversations and uh, and really dig into some of the stuff I guess they're talking about. But uh, we promise to keep it short and sweet and that we
0: will do. Yes, absolutely. And before we close it off, again, anything you heard on this episode is our opinion and the opinions of our contributors only. So, Do your fundamental research, chart your technicals, place your stops, and trade responsibly.
1: If you've got an interesting question about this week's show, we would obviously love to hear it. Uh, So please send us an email or leave us a voice note at podcast at realvision.com.
0: And again, if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us that review. We need need that review. Uh, Grant, just, just, you
1: know. Fine, whatever. Review Anyway, to keep up to date with the latest interviews, research publications, and of course, podcast episodes, then please do follow us on Twitter at Real Vision. You can find us hanging out on Facebook and
0: LinkedIn. Just search for Real Vision.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at T-T-M-Y-G-H. You can follow me
0: at MacroDidact. And that's it from us. We will see you next week.